<laughs> Byron is not Atlanta. The confusion is he's not dissing her. No, he wasn't. He was just saying I mean, they repping Atlanta. Right. I meant Omar. 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 Lotto is not dissing the rappers that she said on her list. That's where the confusion came in. Yeah. She's saying so. Sierra is not Atlanta. It's a question, but her her function, her inflection is off. too much. So you can't really tell. It's kind of like she's saying, you know, twenty one. All of them they not Atlanta, but she's actually asking. It's too much. So they not Atlanta. Yeah, I, mean, I understood it. What would you be watching too much, Mike? Just, I'm like. done with it. I'm done. Cancer. But we want to tell you, she ain't got but one boob. 
And my, they, she, my, her son used to clown her for that. Yeah. Best friend said, what the hell you putting on the profile? You ain't got but one titty. <laughs> Nobody's out there. And, and she's a breast cancer. Oh, you know what I mean? Oh, that, you know what I mean? The folks, they have breast cancer lunches and stuff where they make jokes to make them feel good. They women, like a roast. It's cancer, they roast this, that, and the third. It's one joke. And I'm talking about it and everybody because I'm a comedian. That's what I do. And I'm a legendary comedian. I am a com- I'm a comedian that's on people's Mount Rushmore's for today's comedy game. You get up there and you slap me. Let me tell you something. Chris Rock ain't no punk either. No, ain't. Chris Rock don't go nowhere with security. And it's Chris Rock. Have a good day. Okay. I, I, and, I, I, and you changing because a lot of folks going to think that when uh, you're going to help a comedian. And let me tell you something. George Wallace said this on his Twitter. And George Wallace is, what, 70 years old? He said, I'm 6'4", 270 pounds, and I'm going to still tear you up with these mama jokes. Listen, what first else? of all, you, can't, you really can't heckle a comedian because... They do that. That's their profession. How you go to work and you get good at your job, they get good at theirs. Like, Absolutely. You will be embarrassed. And there's only one mic. So what, how many people is actually going to hear the joke you're saying without repeating it? And then the comments going to be like, huh? That, huh? that kills your whole joke right Child there. And somebody be like, huh? I can't hear you. Your shit is no longer funny. Now, my opinion is different than yours on it, Mike. Go ahead. But I do agree with it because I haven't heard it that way. Right. My take was, you can't really tell a man how far is too far when it comes to his woman, or vice versa. Like to us, he could have went too damn far. But when you dealing with your spouse, they limit might be different. Like I said, even they've been above the jokes for twenty years. Exactly. The August I was saying the shit then came out. Yeah. Jada already. Uh, said she didn't want to be with him no more. But Baby, her soulmate is a rapper that got shot. Yeah. And you so, got two yes. kids by this dude. Have a great... Y'all so, full of it. Your business is out there. It is. Nobody oh, no. So, for him <laughs> to go up and do that, I couldn't be like, well, he shouldn't have did that. When people was arguing, oh, he did it in front of white people. Like, oh, that, I can't because that's his wife. So whatever he felt and that's deemed disrespectful, part. then that's what's disrespectful to him. Yeah. It ain't for us to understand and try to decipher. Now, would we do it? Would we have done it differently? Yeah, possibly. But if that's what he decides is what he wants to do, then shit. I can't knock him for that choice, but it could have been handled differently. Okay. Ron, another male perspective. What you got, Vita? I mean, I agree with QM, Mike. I can see it from both sides of the table. For me, I feel like Will didn't just slap Chris. I feel like he's slapping all of us because everybody's had something to say about him. I think all that just kind of – it all came together that one moment, and he went about the wrong way about it to me. Like, for me, you know what I'm saying? Like, I crack a lot of jokes. I talk a lot of shit. I try not to cross that line, but I've been known to get my toes as close to that motherfucker as I can get it to. You know what I'm saying? And I would hope if I said something that somebody didn't like, you come to me and say, oh, bro, I ain't like that. And I can say, you know what? I respect that. My apologies. Don't slap me, bro, because... The way Will walked off that stage, nothing nah, happening. That stage, that show would have been stopped. That door would have got locked, and that floor would have got mopped. It would have been, it would have been on the popping. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Well, you know, so that's the only female on this show because you know, I'm just, 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 I
But, um, you know, my perspective about it was that, you know, at the end of the day, like, I saw the perfect man. It was like when two cousins get into it at the cookout, and you slap the cousin because the cousin went too far, and the whole family kind of disappointed. But the cousins, they made up. But now it's kind of awkward because you shouldn't have let the world, family should have done that. Yeah, first of all, you talking about a family cookout. You, this was, this, this was, this was a cookout in front of the world. I know nothing about it. How you gonna be for my little sister? You know, listen, she made her she, she made her own decisions. She I'm didn't just, make no uh, decisions. You made the decisions. At the end of the day, well, that, I can't speak about that. However, our comedian's gonna come back. I, I met this lady, Miss Vanetta. I met her last night at the Black Media Mixer. She was awesome. She was amazing, y'all. She got a big dress, and I love. You know, it's still Women's History Month. We got a black woman comedian coming up next. I'm ready for it. Yeah. So when you come back, I don't like that shit. I don't like that. What's going on, Atlanta? It's your boy, JRT's Mr. Art from the Heart. When I'm looking to catch up on what's trending in the streets, Black, Educated, and Broke is the only show I'm listening to. Thrive 
And she's the creator of 1865 Comedy Festival in honor of Juneteenth through her platform, Funny Honeys. Y'all make some noise for Vanetta. Woo! Um, I feel like you like, you like that delivery. Vanetta. I love that, girl. You serve that ass. Hold it down for me, Randy. <laughs> Don't do that. Uh-uh. This is what we have to do. He's being a hater, but he is, listen, he is our biggest supporting advocate of comedians. Like, okay. He loves this. So I'm, you know, this is your mom. I know you have a lot of questions for Queens, so go ahead, Mike B, because we're going to try to grill him. First and foremost, uh, the hot topic. Let's get that out the way. Everybody talking about Here we go. Here we go. That's probably in our set tonight. You know, we just got to ask, what are your thoughts? So my thoughts on it are, one, I just want to applaud Chris Rock's restraint. Okay. I just want to applaud him and being very professional. And I also want to, today is like national, what, World Bipolar Day or whatever. Oh, yeah, so like I want Every, to. Everything got a fucking day. It does. All right, I ain't got but 15 minutes. Don't cut me off. Don't cut me off. <laughs> it's Women's History Month. Let me talk. Um, yeah, okay, so, um, but what it is, like, mental health is very serious. And when we are working as entertainers in this space, we have to make sure that we are taking care of that. And I think that Will's mental health has not been attended to. I think he's been triggered. I think he's been poked and prodded. And I don't know what the hell you expected in that space, um, but I, I think that those two things, I wanna applaud Chris Rock in that space, and I wanna say, niggas need therapy. And um, those are my immediate thoughts on that. You know, I ain't gonna go into Jada being toxic and all of this, and if he should've did it, blah, blah, blah. like, you know, things happen in that space, and shit. You know, my, my main concern is Chris Rock on this tour, because I know he's probably had to rearrange his set a little bit. He got six sold out shows in Boston this weekend. You know, nah, you have to because you have to. He has to address the elephant in the room. No, no. Like, I asked the question, to, I posed the question to comics today. I was like, what would y'all do and how would y'all start off y'all set? Because sometimes you want to talk about certain things, but you have to address. I ain't coming here talking about no damn Chris rocking it. But it's like, what's going on currently? We have to address that. So I was like, what would y'all do and how would y'all like address this? And my thought would be like, I would have did like maybe just like five minutes on niggas that should have beat my ass for other shit I said. I would have just started my set off like that, like yeah. a drawing attention to it, but not even talking about Will and Jada, but like making them laugh and getting that shit out the way and then going about my business to what they really paid for because they ain't, they know. They they ain't even know that. They don't want to hear that shit. Right. So. I'm with it. When you start doing comedy? I started seven years ago doing stand-up, but I my first entertainment like experience was mm -hmm. interning for this improv group back in North Carolina. That's where I'm from. Okay. I interned for... Um, at the time, he was the leader of the group, head of the group. He was a radio artist, radio star, whatever. And I was his assistant. And it was four guys in the group. And I branded and helped brand them from my branding agency that I was also interning for. So I brought them together and got their EPKs and all of that. And then three months later, Chico Bean was one of the breakout artists from that group and got a hey. while and out. So my first experience was behind the scenes and seeing how effective you could be when you market yourself properly as a creative. So that's been my main passion ever since. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, you always do like a lot of focus on creative. So I know you got some things upcoming, but what things have you done in the past that helped step into that creative community? What are you doing to be a better advocate of that? 
Yeah, so I really reduce, um, I give a lot of value. V is for value, you know what I mean? So I'm always imparting into, you know, giving a few little notes. Like people come up and go to my open mic and stuff. And, you know, I give them a really dope room and a dope platform. Like a lot of people, especially in Atlanta, I'm newer here in this in the market, but it's all about, oh, who you got over there? Who going to be there? Is it a paid show? Most certainly. So it's not often times where people get a chance to work on their jokes in front of live audiences and crowds. So I provide that space, and I host, and I be like, all right, y'all, these niggas ain't that funny, but we're going to help them out. You know what I mean? Giving them a chance is so important. So I think important. sometimes people miss the importance of saying, hey, let me give this person at least a chance. They're trying to do something. Yeah. Because you can work your whole life to want to be this one spot. But if nobody ever gives you the opportunity to do it, are you really fulfilled? Right, you're not. Right, right. And my thing is, I always try to be what I want it to be for me. That's what it is. Like, if I see some, if I see a need, I'm going to feel it. You know, like, as a woman, I started, you know, I'm kind of cute. I'm a funny honey. You know what I'm saying? So nobody really took me seriously, and I just wanted to perform. I just want to get better. Niggas be like, yo, pull up. Da, 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 da. We're going to go to this show. We're going to do this. Nigga, I'm not your plus one. I want to get on stage. Get on stage. <laughs> Fuck. Exactly. So it. it, it I did say that, but it's also a male dominated industry. Shout out to Randy being the one holding it down in this room full of niggas. Well, actually, we have another girl. She's just not here. We okay. got two more. Oh, okay. Oh, well, we got two women. Don't let Randy try to pull you. Almost two years. So, like, what is your goal here from coming from North Carolina to Atlanta? What are you trying to do? What is your goal here? So, I have a, I started entertainment with a 10-year plan when I started comedy. Okay. And I did the first five in New York. I wanted to educate myself on everything I needed to know to run a production studio and producing shows and being on stage. So, I performed every damn where I could. Did Caroline's, did all those stages, you know. I did the Jamaicans. I did the I did the new United Nations tour of New York, you know. So I did all that, but I came here to grow. You know, you started and you get an identity of your brand, but I came here to grow the brand. I came here to grow Funny Honeys and build a community. I've always wanted to serve and work with people to look like me, you know. And I've always been accepted by, like, I guess, mainstream or the white people, whatever. I went to UNC. I was one of the little people in the AG classes and all of that shit. And I, one thing I've always hated was the way black people look at me because I'm accepted by them. And I don't want that. I've always want to go out and get it and show you how I do it so I can do it for us. I never got that. Filthy. Yeah, because I give off real nigga. That's dope. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> I'm sure I do. I Funny honeys, funny honeys. Well, that's my brand that I started prior to 1865. Okay. So, funny honeys birthed 1865, and I created that as a platform. So it's funny because I was just I had just started producing comedy shows in bars, whatever. Okay. My birthday was coming up, and I was like, I got to do something different. I'm gonna do it. I want everybody to come out, so I'm gonna do all these funny, fine bitches, right? And I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna. I was like, I gotta have a name for it. what I'm gonna call it. I was like, I'm gonna call it funny honeys. And I just did it as a show. It was my birthday. I was about to turn 29, I believe, or some shit. And I, I started it. And, like, yo, the, the response was crazy because it, it was catchy. It was all women. The dudes was feeling it. The women were empowered. Like, I was like, oh, this shit is fuck. So 
ever since then, I've only started, I had started only producing for women in New York. And then I was like, I was like, but I'm doing this as a brand. I got to, you know, I'm investing into it. I still got footage at every show, whatever. So I'm like, man, I should really uh, LLC this or form this in some way. So I just formed it as a business and I've started it. So then I did more research and I'm like, well, maybe I'm just going backwards in my production company because that's what most people do once they get on and once they get, you know, Phoebe Robinson started her production company after she was a national touring comedian. And, you know, of course, you know, Issa Rae is doing that, the who, right? So it's all of these things. So I'm like, I'm just working backwards, you know, and I started my production company first to build that. That's your path. That ain't necessarily backwards, but that's your journey. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yes. So it was twenty twenty, June ish, and of George Floyd, everything happened. I'm in New York. I'm in pain. I had to have surgery to get, like, fibroids removed. So I can't protest, hold no sign. I can't do shit. I'm like, what? I felt, like, muted almost, like I wanted to do something. And it was all these white women doing these benefit shows and all these little things. They were showing the titties for George Floyd in New York. Like, they raised, like, $4,000. And I was like, damn. I, you're not going to out-activist me, you know? What they said? They said, that's the last time I let them out-nigger me. You're not going to out-nigger me. You're not going to out-nigger me. Period. So I was just, and I've always wanted to, like, put all my skill sets together. So I was like, you know what, let's just bring black people together. Let's unify. So I thought of the idea to do it in Juneteenth to bring all black comedians together. We had our first year last year, and it was really dope. Um, I got some dope, like, placements and stuff. So I was able to expose the brand and expose more of my message. And this year we are still doing it. It's June 19th through the 23rd. We're going to have, like, this dope-ass, like, park vibe on June 19th. We're yeah. just going to celebrate each other. Are y'all exposing titties, though? Like, no, we're not doing that. Hey, I was confused. <laughs> I mean, we might do a little Magic City at the... And I was like, hold on, so do titties, too? Nah, I mean, you... I'm pretty sure you're going to see a titty somewhere, but it ain't going to be nothing in the program. <laughs> Titty's going to come. I have no control over that. It will be summer. And this is Atlanta. So, I mean, you know, they're actually doing a 40th uh, anniversary of Freaknik this year. Oh, really? Yeah, they were doing. Uh, so the production manager reached out to me to do some comedy with it. Yeah. Yeah. So there will be titties and jokes in that. <laughs> Titties and jokes. Titties and jokes. Let's go. <laughs> um, so we're gonna be in Little Five Points area. So we'll have we're working with a lot of black owned businesses that you know that Heat, ATL, Pink Zebra, all these black owned businesses in that area. And then we're gonna lead up to seven stages to have um, our premier showcases there. But the biggest thing about the festival that I want to kind of do is these non-transferable giveaways to the comedians where it's not just an experience, but you get something that you wouldn't be able to get anywhere else. And my biggest message is, listen, we have to learn how to monetize or 
perform and be and assemble as a product more. Yeah. So, you know, there's a parallel to the music industry that I've always wanted to kind of really bring home where, you know, all these SoundCloud rappers, them niggas is like putting stuff out. They have right. work products. Right. And there's not a lot of comedians. They just going up stage and performing and getting on. But, you know, there's a way to also work towards your album. You know, yeah. you can get a Grammy too. You know what I mean? Dave Chappelle has several. So, so I am going to be doing 15-minute albums and specials that will be recording for a select comedians of the festival. So we'll do a master 1865. So they'll have a tight five as a part of the 1865 album, but they'll also get that work product for themselves to distribute their work after, and they'll get their 15 minute audio and the visual to distribute. And we're just working to really help market them and get them ready for the industry. Now see, that's, that's dope. Cause like when I ride, like I listen to podcasts. Before I was listening to podcasts, I would go to like iHeart, Pandora. 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 Yeah. With the comedy. Yeah. 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 That shit is a vibe. Yeah. It's a vibe. Yeah, they specials are now that you can still listen to it on um on Apple Music and then uh, and then they got the old stuff. Yeah, that's Everybody, what I would listen to. It'd be like, like ten minute bits each. Yeah. It'd be the next one. Yeah. Get through your drive so fast. Yes, yes. And you laugh and you're entertained. And comedy just takes you away, if you will. Like, it takes you away from that, like, bullshit that you're going through and all of that. So, you know, I, I want us to focus on that, but also focus on taking some money with us, too. Shit. <laughs> we got to take a little money. Well, a lot of comedians, they don't, they, uh, the, the, some of the older ones, the OGs, they don't feel like it's enough money out there. I've heard a comedian by the name of Alicia Cooper say that podcast like talking to some of the younger ones who may do other stuff but then can't get on stage and have a set uh but you know that that's a, another conversation another battle but i think it's the money is out there the money is out there the the focus is not there right. for the comedy community right. and it's a very antiquated industry ain't no hr for it ain't no niggas like oh so this is the new shit we on you know you got a corporate you got a corporation you got an office everybody gets the email like oh so we're now using this system we're not using this server they ain't got that shit in comedy Everybody just running around like chickens with a hair cut off. There's no really structure and there's no unity. And it's changed so much. And there's more money now than there ever was because it's brand deals out there. It's brands spend a hell of bread to get you on TikTok just to do a damn. They'll give you 500 just just to talk into your phone and write a joke. You know, but it's it's about the partner. It's about the way you market yourself and put yourself together. It's the positioning. You know, I partner with brands and I've worked with nonprofits. And, you know, for me being seven years in, I've done a lot of shit the niggas 20 years in haven't done. And they're just waiting for the call instead of calling themselves, right. <laughs> instead of pulling themselves up. So, yeah. Are you on the road? I am. So I am working on this Beast of the East kind of quest. Okay. So like I'm a, I'm initially from North Carolina. That's where I'm born. And that's probably, um, I was born in like Durham, but I lived in like Henderson, Bull City. Durham. No, they do. They do. But I was, I'm from Henderson in a smaller town. So like I, I got to rep the, you know, 252. Um, but yeah, so, but I started comedy in New York. So we're still active in New York. I was just talking to producers there. We're going to be still be doing shows there and also in Atlanta. So I'm just working my way of building these audiences 
in the productions. I'm not just hopping all around and shit. But I have a network that's nationwide, and the comics come to me for the festival. So I'm still building those connections, but I ain't going to be pretty. Um, all right. <laughs> I'm gonna tell y'all. I'm gonna tell y'all one joke. Oh, it's not what you would probably think. Um, so so we're gonna go first with Lucille Ball, baddest bitch in comedy, first boss bitch in comedy. Her production company produced Star Wars. Niggas don't even know that. Um, yeah, Desi Lu Productions. Um, then we're going to go with uh, Ali Wong. She's funny. That bitch is funny. <laughs> and she's a dope writer. And she's just true to herself and who she is. I fuck with her the long way. Then we're going to go Jamie Foxx. I just love the talent. I love the versatility. He's a natural host. Like, he's just off the cuff. I love that natural, natural, natural. Um, and then lastly, it's more of a wild card, but I would say in the terms of writing, I would probably go Dave Chappelle. Hey. Yeah. What's Yeah, so that's my Mount Rushmore, too. You know, equality. <laughs> yeah. All right, so um, yeah, so you can find me, uh, the Booker and the Talent. So you just type in Booker on Instagram, and I'll come up. My name is Vanetta Schofield. Um, yeah, because Instagram gives you thirty characters to t- tell your name, and I, this is something I do in my consultations. It's like, you know, whatever you are, you want to market yourself. So I'm the Booker and the Talent on Instagram. You can find Funny Honeys in that, I see Corey as, we- as well as 1865 Fest. Don't fucking play with me, nigga. I said Booker and the Talent. That's what oh, I said. Type said that shit. Booker, nigga, I said no, put in Booker and the Talent, nigga. I thought you said just put in Booker and I'll pop up. Gotta finish the sentence. You want to say for the punchline? You want to say? All right, all right. So um, that did okay. Here we go. Okay, okay, okay. All right, cool. So yeah, um, and yeah, funnyhoneys.com, h-u-n-n-y-z.com. That's me. You'll find everything on there, and uh, yeah. Marlon who? Marlon Shout out to Marlon and Love to Laugh. Yeah. Um, he's actually, Love to Laugh is actually going to be a part of the 1865 oh, Fest. So. Yeah, yeah, so I just, yeah, so since we broke educated and uh, all of that, educated black educated and broke, so look, Marlon invited me to meet uh, Shy, um, the, the, the yes, yeah. um, Darnell from Shy. He invited me on Sunday, right? And so, because we were talking about the production, <laughs> And so I didn't get a picture with him because I wore this. <laughs> Nigga, I'm wearing this somewhere else. I was only out for an hour. <laughs> I ain't get no picture with y'all because they going to see this somewhere else, nigga, when I see it 20 plus people. <laughs> so shout out to Marlon Ballard who saw this outfit first. <laughs> That's the homie. That's the homie. Okay, so y'all in relationships? Yeah. Yes, right over there. Okay. Hey, right. N- not right over there, though. Yeah, right over there. That's my deal. How long y'all been together? Uh, three years in May. Three years. Okay, so they're having salary sex now. Salary. Wait, wait, what's that? That's when you can do the job real lazy because you're getting paid regardless. Uh-huh. <laughs> Wait a minute, did I set myself up? Oh my God. <laughs>
And y'all just having a like t-shirt sex, you know what I'm saying? Like just pull it up real quick. Nigga, I got work tomorrow. Like that's, you know, that's how it is. And that's it's okay because relationships are like jobs. And I always get promoted right when I plan on quitting. It's the truth. It's the truth. And honestly, it's weird for me. Nah, like, listen, I don't want that. I don't want that. I don't want the salary sex. I don't want to be in your corner office. Like, don't promote me so I can watch you flirt with other bitches. I'm not trying to do that. Right? I want to be in the mail room. Keep me busy. Call me when you want my package. Okay. 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 I am an hourly sex person. I am a hustler. I like going from dick to dick like I go from check to check. I mean, I think it's just dope not knowing where my next dick is coming from. All right. I like like the woman liberation thing because that's how, you know, I was at one point. But that's dope. Yeah. I don't think that should be looked at any differently. It's like, whatever, have fun until, you know, it's it's not. Nah, I don't give a fuck about that. I'm independent. Like, I pay my own bills. I buy my own weed. Mm -hmm. Make my own self come. That's what it is. Make my own self come. So you're using the rose? No. No, I don't use the rose. I'm the type I call a dude over just so he can like watch me do me. Uh-huh. And then when I'm finished, I'm like, that was my Louis C.K. I missed it. My Louis C.K. See the nigga. Yeah. Nah, the nigga that fucks with comedy fucks with it. I fucks with that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Nah, the nigga that fucks with comedy fucks with it. I fucks with that. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Black Educated and Broke is the only Atlanta podcast I'm listening to. And if you're not listening to it, you're missing out. And broke. Black Educated and Broke, still trying to contain ourselves. So, Mike B, you heard the correct jokes. I couldn't catch it. For those that listened and they missed it. Mike, I know you're not about to do us like that. It ain't even we just for us, it's for other listeners. You can tell it's still the same show. You got to follow her on social. She ain't going to say Lucy Cat on her on social. social. That means that he might be didn't really catch it all the way. No, I did catch it. He laughed, you know he laughed too CK hard. Is? Oh, okay. Oh, okay. She so laughed, he laughed too hard uh, not to call it. I looked at his face. He was really... You know, <laughs> you know, you he know, was he was laughing so hard. Look up Louis C.K. We're going to move on. We have a second individual. We have another person. We, listen, we just had brilliance in comedy. Now we got brilliance in education. So we're going to move forward. So I switch that up. Well, go ahead, Negro. You got it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Nah, you didn't step out. You can keep it going. Go ahead. I can't tell. God damn it. I sure can't tell. Just, you know, you fired the last time. <laughs> right, hell. Well, I, I don't know if that's what happened, but something happened. So there's that. Anyway, so yes, guys. So before we had our... We're going to have black women in April, not in March. Well, that was our birthday month. That wouldn't have been nice either. So anyway, hey, boom. So anyway, like I said, it, this is my stuff. We have some other black excellence here. Actually, we have a repeater. They came on uh, Black Educated and Broke, I want to say last year sometime when they were running for uh, for the school board. Uh, I'm Who am I talking about? Mr. Jason B. Allen. He is back with us today. And just to refresh y'all for who, those that don't know, here's a little bio about our boo, Mr. Jason. Mr. Because he is, a, he is an educator, okay? Mr. Jason B. Allen. He's a 17-year educator right here in ATL, Georgia. 
and he's currently teaching special education. He leads educational entities, which consist of Lily's Foundation, Allen for APS, the Educators Voice Blog, Students for Equity in JBA Podcast. Okay, that might be a new one on that last one. You got a five point to talk about that. But anyway, guys, make some noise. Back with us again, Mr. Jason B. Allen. Yeah, the professor. The professor. Welcome What's up, big brother? brother. What's going on, y'all? It's good to be here. Ain't seen you forever. Get on the mic. I'm not looking all extra like urban. I love it. <laughs> hey, that, that's, that's that's bra right there. Extra urban he has on his nice no, snapback cap. I'm letting the audience know what, what that means. What it mean? Because last time I think he was, he had that beautiful background of all the art, the black. You right. You right. Yeah, you, I think you had on your studio now. Yeah, Bye. you had on your little sweaters and you looking very you know studious and now you're looking like got your nice hoodie on. What this like? This is America. Okay, repping. Oh I just like God. it. Oh my yeah, I wore, I wore that to school that day, and this is what I wore to school today. I love it. You know, the place you should have nice brother. Damn, I can't get compliments around this mug. But anyways, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but just welcome back. So one of the things I know Mike B, he's going to probably ask you about it, but I know when you were running and um, for you know on the school board, and you were on my ballot, and I placed my vote, and um, I was informed, and we all saw that, you know, that didn't quite but, you know, what, what's, what, how you feel about all that? What's the next move? Because I know that ain't it. <laughs> well, I feel good about it. You know, we knew what we were taking on, right? Um, it was the machine. I ran against the incumbent who is a well-versed Democrat here in the state. He's currently running for state senate. Uh, you know, when I talked it up with my students, they were like, you know, he would be the first um, Afro-Latina, you know, senator in Georgia if he wins. Okay. So they were like, you know, we're not going to hate on that. If that's what okay. he chooses to do, um, good for him. However, when we look at Atlanta Public Schools, you know, growing up in the A, mm -hmm. there are no black men that are on the school board. You know, he's currently there. However, with him transitioning, because, of course, we believe he's going to win, um, there won't be any black men. And so when we look at the data, you know, we got to be real. Everybody's yeah. talking about crime. When we see the ads, we see young black boys. Yeah. So it's important. Representation isn't just about having a face on the school board about having somebody who knows what they're doing. Um, so next year, when it comes back around, we'll be out hitting the, street, uh, hitting the streets, you know, engaging the people and getting them out to vote. All right, okay. Come on, just yourself up and try again. I know that's right. I like it because a lot of people will be like, oh, you know, maybe I'm going to do something different. Maybe this is not my calling, but I, it's like you're doing it for the streets. You're doing it for the kids and you, you really want to make a difference, and I like that nothing is stopping you from making that your reality. Most definitely. Hmm, might be. Oh, is that how we interview? <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right, then. big brother. I ain't seen you in a minute. So, um, still teaching. Um, what what's still the passion? What's that? Man, you know it's crazy, right? So I'm I'm graduating um, in May, and I started oh. the students for equity group, and my students are also graduating from high school. So they're graduating. I'm graduating with my master's in special education, and I'm trying to thank you. I'm trying to wrap my brain around if I'm actually going to go back and teach. It sounds crazy, right? Like, why would you go get the degree, you know, study while you're teaching and then go do something else? But there's so much that our kids need. And I'm just tired of being caught up in the system, right? Like, I've been teaching in the educational system 17 years. Um, I've seen people build their own schools, build their own, and I'm like, that's the way to really do it. So I'm just trying to weigh my options to figure out if Professor JBA will still be in the classroom or if I'll be doing something different. Hey, 
pray on it to think about it. Uh, you know, we talk. You definitely been a, a big inspiration to me because I left. I left the school system. I, I took a break to, uh, you know, especially what was going on with the pandemic, to uh, continue working nonprofit, working with families, and um, it just didn't work out. And now full circle, I'm not in a classroom, but still a part of the school system, but now and in a leadership role, uh, part of a program, and all we're trying to do is just make some changes. So, you know, whatever's next going to be next, but uh, you run it again, so. Yeah, most what's definitely. That, what's that looking like? I mean, I'll just tell, I'll just say this. Uh, people can connect with the work that I'm continuing to do through educational entities. Mm-hmm. Um, I started my – what I did when I went back to school, I put all my own things on hold, right? So, mm-hmm. like, building out my business, educational entities. I had a vision for this six years ago. Yeah. And then I started helping build a school. Then I started, you know, leading my family's foundation. Then I started doing, like, all this other stuff. And so I finally just – brought it together so educational entities is the umbrella that houses the activism work i do with my students which is students for equity um they're doing national town halls they have a podcast um they have a blog so they're doing their own thing the foundation supports grandparents raising school aged children in the city of atlanta and you know who don't love their grandmama or their granddaddy right so um we're doing it for the grandparents in the city a lot of them are raising school-aged children, and let's be real. Like, <laughs> running for school board, we all knew, like, parents were complaining about communication. So if mom and dad are complaining about getting a text message or a phone call, you can imagine what somebody's grandmama and granddaddy that are 60-plus are going through trying to navigate. Right. You know, they putting the messages on Instagram. Well, what is that? <laughs> Like I don't want to, I don't feel like trying to navigate that. Just pick up the phone and call me. So we kind of bridge the gap for the grandparents. So that's um that's one of the things. And then I have a, a set of podcasts. I'm trying to elevate the voices of other teachers. So on the second Wednesday at six o'clock, uh, we have a podcast called That Way, and it's uh, black male teachers that are talking about CRT. A lot of people, you know. Um, our colleagues, our counterparts, rather, are up in arms around critical race theory. But here's the reality, right? This is what I tell people. So everybody's having these conversations, but that way it's the only podcast where it's actually a black male teacher bringing on other black men or black students to talk about critical race theory. So when we went through the book list, right, of the books that are being banned one of the books that are on there is the atlanta riot and i was like yeah see the the black elite they got something to do with that because see the book by um mr milton it calls out the black elite in atlanta because when we talk about the equity gap that's happening right now um it was the black elite that sold out the working class so that they would actually stop killing black people now some people will say well you know if they didn't do that they would have just killed all the black people. Well, in the reality, when you look at the dynamics of Atlanta and the power structure, did that really help us with Atlanta being, if not number one, very close to being the most inequitable city for black and brown people in the United States? So all I'm saying is critical race theory is a ban on teaching truth. And and it's the thing, like, we're not teaching theory. All of American history. Yeah. Things. We've learned so much more on how we were treated 
uh, how we weren't treated, things that were put in place. Yeah. Like, and they are afraid to see their face or grandmom's face in the book or in the background on one of these pictures or know somebody that's closely tied and taught them something. They don't want that to come out, which, I mean, let's be honest, they're not teaching CRT on this level anyway. Yeah, it's more right. of secondary school, college, yeah. university. But the fact that they're trying so hard to try and uh, fight it and don't even know what it is. They just heard somebody else say it's this, and that's what they run with. They're not even doing their own research to understand fully what it is. And they're tough. just running with whatever their favorite Republican politician told them it was, and now I don't like CRT. Right. It's really to slow down the progress of black liberation. Yeah. And that's the thing, like, you know, I, I got I try to educate people. Like you gotta make sure you check nonprofits. You gotta check charter schools. You gotta check your local school board because if they truly wanna be anti racist, then why don't we have non suspension schools? So I teach at the first and only non suspension school in the state of Georgia. Now, I'm a special education teacher. We don't suspend kids and I'm still showing up to work every day. So I'm saying that because most special education teachers would tell you that we got to have some type of discipline. We got to have strong discipline because how are we going to control the kids? But see, here's the caveat. This is why my kids show up. I ain't trying to control you. I can barely, I barely can wake up in the morning and control my own self. I got to control my, let's be real, right? You driving, you got to control your emotions because I don't want to reach. You know what I'm saying? After you done cut me off and almost made me have an accident. I got to control myself when I'm walking outside and somebody walks by me and they want to call the police because I look like I might want to just do something. So I'm trying to do that all day long. I don't have time to be trying to control five classes of 30 plus kids. So when I tell that to my students, they're like, that's something different. I ain't never heard that. So I might want to show up. I might want to listen. So, you know, I'm I'm just putting this out here. We have to think differently about how we want to educate our children and I'm challenging everyone not just the traditional public schools because that is the all right let me just slide this in right quick so this is what I learned from running for school board there's a major push for school choice I'm not against school choice my parents had school choice in the 90s that's how I ended up going to Doug because they knew like the gang violence in the community we were growing up in it almost got you one time, so we got to try to move around to make sure that it doesn't get you again. That's what parents had to do, let's be honest. So I'm not against school choice at all. However, I do know that it's about control. Let's look at the makeup of the school board now. It's predominantly women. I believe there may be five white women on the board, which makes them the majority. It's the reality that Atlanta is changing because we know that if the educational system changes first, then the rest will go. So we're talking about will, you know, Andre Dickens be the last black mayor? Possibly so. Because if you have five white women on the Atlanta Board of Education, you have one male that's on the board who's currently on his way out, which means that it's going to be even harder to get, what, a black man back on the school board when the majority of the children are black. The majority of the children that are getting put out of the schools are what? Black boys, which are in the street now. And now it's a cycle of crime, poverty, et cetera, so forth. So we have to be mindful of the school choice movement and how a lot of our parents are, you know, pushing out of the locally controlled schools. But I ran a school board before, a charter school board before. So here's what I know. I'm 
going to tell the people. You can make your own decision. You can't go to a charter school board with all these demands that you do to the Atlanta Board of Education. You know why? Because it's like a business. You can't come in my business and tell me what to do. Yeah, charters run separately. <laughs> I'm just telling. So in case parents don't understand that dynamic, this is the reality. Yeah. So you really lose your power when you are no longer within the school system of the board that you elect because that board that is elected, they are the ones that carry the majority of the board in the city of Atlanta that go to how we educate children. So that's all I'm saying. People can do their own math. They can connect You're their dots in their own way. We didn't know none of that. I did it. <laughs> and when I have my, my little community, I need to know these things whenever. And what is the actual age group you deal with? So I'm in middle school. Okay. So talk about a non-suspension school in middle school. Middle how that, school. How does this work? Because all the schools I ever went to, I got suspended from. So <laughs> we believe that. I'm trying to understand wow. how, <laughs> how, you know, you guys function when you can't, like kids can be initial. It seems necessary. So how do y'all do that? Man, I tell you, we're intentional. So let me start here. The school's name is Seven Pillars Career Academy. Uh, We focus on activism and social justice, but we also are built on the principles of Kwanzaa. And so that goes a long way, right, because, you know, we have a certain skill set that we put out, and then we have a certain market of parents that are seeking what we're, you know, providing. I would say that have we had incidents with, you know, just normal kids stuff? Yeah, we have, right? But we have ways of creatively working with the students on building better techniques to handle what they're going through. It's really centered on conflict resolution. And it's real. Like, I give them real, when I'm dealing with discipline, I give them real situations. Like, you know what? Think about this. If this situation happens when you are 18 years old, what do you think the outcomes are going to be? Then let's look it up. So now we're looking it up. We watch it. Sometimes I have to call the parents up and say, hey, we need some permission because it's, it's some profanity in this. But we got to show them the real of how they make decisions because when you think that you're going to talk to somebody like this and you're 13 and, oh, I'm just going to throw a bottle of water at you. Okay, well, when you get 18, look at how these situations change. And now you see different outcomes. So when they see that, it's like, okay, well, now I can make a different choice. So we talk to them and we, we do some activities with them. Now, then we got a counselor so and a social. Water. Well, no, water. no, we don't do that. We got We got a. We have a. We got a, a. I would say a student services support team. So we have the social worker, the counselor. They do their restorative work. Now, as a special education teacher, I have a different reign on my students, right? Because I know my students that have behavioral issues, and we have plans that we're working on. We set goals, like. You got to get to it. It's almost like you conditioning when you practice it. And I tell them, if you if you gaming, you got to practice. You ain't going to always get it right. So that's the thing. I take that off the table. Like, you're not going to get it right. It's going to be a – you're going to mess up a couple of times. And we're just going to keep working through it until we start to get better at it. And it it's worked. I've been working with these kids since they've been in sixth grade. They're getting ready to transition into our high school. And um, it's been some real growth. That's got to be yeah. You can make that impact on them and give them things to move on. And in three years, the things that they've learned in the fourth grade, once they get into the high school classrooms and they have a little more freedom and a little more responsibility at the same time. So I get that. Most we of. need that because, and I, I know y'all going to get into it, but that kind of brings them to another point in our, our community. Growing up, most of us got whooped as, probably, as a kid. <clears throat> 
what did it actually do? Did it make you, you know, try not to get caught next time because you're going to do it? Or did it make you straighten up? For the moment, yeah, it probably did. But that's another way of, of handling it. And the way that I practice, like I try not to worry. Like very rarely touching like that at all because it can impact them negatively. Same way, I guess, suspension could, too, if you look at it in that sense. Yeah, that's a good analogy, actually. Okay, I wanted to just kind of, as we get ready to close out here, about your uh, your current youth initiative that you have going on, the Lilies Foundation and Students for Equity. So if children want to be a part of that, like, how can they join, or, like, how do you solicit the children if they want to do it? So everybody, I'm driving everybody to the website. Um, the students have their own email addresses, studentsforequity at gmail.com. Um, so it's basically the name. So whichever entity you want to reach out to is that name. Um, the information is on that website, though. The Educational Entities website connects you to um, everything. Now, let me also add this, though. The how the way that I'm working this is um, my father has his own company. It's called Allen's Printing Company. And so we have students in the foundation, some of the grandkids who want to go into graphic design, right? So we had them working. Now, all of the tweets and the IG posts and the – this was hard, y'all, because I had to turn that over to the students. And, uh-huh, like, right. training them on, you know, and I got hit up like the other week uh-huh. about, you know, something that was going on in the social media world. And one of the kids said cuss. And they were like, you know, this don't make no sense. And, and my thing is it was a valid point. It was a high school student. Now, I wasn't going to go back and be like, okay, hey – you know, this, y'all got to, no, because they're running this. I, what I teach them is you have to be able to express yourself. If you put it out there, you got to be able to come back and say, hey, I put it out there and this is what I meant and I said what I said and that's yeah. it. Yeah. And so I had to check some adults about trying to make the students silence their voices in a sense. You know, you need to simmer that down. You need to not do that. You need to just kind of stay in a child's place. And I was like, well, actually, you kind of out of line. Because you shouldn't be telling this child that's not your child what they should or shouldn't be thinking or what they should and should not be saying, especially when it comes to how they look, their hair, how they want to represent themselves. I said, that's on them. And so that's what we're teaching them to do. And if you got a problem with that, well, you need to manage it how you manage your other problems, (laughs) but not take it out on this kid. So that's what we're doing. We're trying to give these youth as many opportunities outside of the box like teaching them you don't want to be um a doctor well you know how to organize things you can go and organize somebody's company like you can be an administrator or a manager so now we're teaching you you know those management skills you can have organize classes thank you that's a whole entrepreneur yeah so sometimes in education we kind of um have the kids learning to be workers instead of I'm not saying that you don't. Yeah. But using the skills to teach them, you can be your own. Exactly. You can be our own business. So you don't got to go work for nobody but yourself. Yeah. When you want to go, as much as you need or want to go. Right. So, yeah, that's, that's, I like that. I like that. I really need that. And that kind of mean, and not to get, because I know we were going to wrap up, but then it makes me as an educator, because I know you were the kids, and after the situation at the Oscars, what have you, have your kids asked yeah. you? I, I want to know, as an educator, what are you telling the kids how that should have been handled? I would love to know your perspective. So we talked it up. Actually, the funny thing is I actually had them watch the Oscars. Okay. And this is the reason why, because 
family members went to school with Will Packer. They knew him. So oh, it was yeah. a fam you thing. They were like, yeah, everybody support, watch it. A lot of my students had done the research. So they knew before, like, Sunday it was going to be an all-black production team. So they were like, okay, my one of my tasks was when you go watch it, look and see how many jobs, right? Because we talking about dollars and cents. Yeah. Like, how much is this person making? What does that person do? Oh, look at this type of job. So it's kind of like we doing all of that work at one time. But we also being entertained and we, like, spending time with our family, right? So on Monday, we did talk it up, and they were like, I made them go to the hashtag. Some of the parents, I was like, y'all could come check it out, too. Mm -hmm. We went to the hashtag. That was the first assignment. Look and see what these adults have to say. What was the hashtag? Will and Chris. Oscars 2022. So that's what they were going through, and they were like, it's crazy that all of these black, I mean, you former mayors, not from Atlanta necessarily, but former mayors, leaders, Elected officials, pastors, everybody, everybody talking about this. Nobody talked about the production team. Nobody mm -hmm. talked about how it was the first person that did this, mm -hmm. the first person that did that, you know, how well orchestrated it was. They talked about none of that, right? For the, yeah. People are still talking about it. Yeah. And so they were like, it's interesting how everybody is up in arms. And one of my white students asked this, are black people upset because this happened and – People, y'all are like thinking, what are we as like what are we as white people going to think about this happening? And and that opened a whole nother door okay. because my personal belief is all of these dignitaries are upset at how this looked yeah. globally and and for us. And so we had a lot of good conversations. So I happened to be working overnight that night. I wasn't even supposed to, but as it happened, I'm walking into work, and so what I do, I get the news from all over, and. <clears throat> Our Australian affiliate was talking about it as I walked in. Like, it had already hit their news, and it was, like, breaking for them. Like, they're talking about it, and, and they're all since saying different things. And it was talking like... them damn Americans. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's, it was low-key offensive because it's like, hold up, man. Y'all can't say that about us. <laughs> but, but they have valid points. Like, it, they weren't wrong. Um, we talked about it earlier, and all of us disagreed but agreed on one point and I think Ron may have brought it up or somebody that never crossed my mind of what doing it in front of these white people on campus I don't give a damn about none of that I was just but we're not getting into that but that was my whole point for the whole thing <laughs> no no I mean it's a it's a it's a big thing you know it could have done it differently you know my whole philosophy is now knowing how major events work. You mean to tell me that this brother had that much time, and I know, because when you mad, you know when you walk in and you mad, you already know, because if you think back to when you were growing up and grandma would be like, oh, I hear you coming, like a mile away. So you already know if he was upset, he was already saying something before he got up there. Mm -hmm. So not all this time, or maybe he just silently walked up there. I don't know. Because Chris was still telling the joke, and he was like, uh-oh. And like, Will, they don't really show it. That, that is completely missing it. They had another camera angle. But he kind of just walks up there in his will. You're not expecting Will Smith to do anything. Yeah. He might come up Especially when you done moved on. You they, moved on. Exactly. exactly. It, it, it's, again, it's Will Smith. We're not looking for him to do anything angry. I think it was Kanye coming up there. People probably would have been on high alert. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But it's Will Smith. He's unassuming. And then to slap fire from this. You just don't expect it. No, Chris Rock didn't expect that to happen. He didn't duck. He didn't try he to dodge you. He told you that's what he needed to let you know on the low. He didn't expect that. 
Chris Rock told you. Smith walked up there to you. Would you expect him to slap you? I just want to know what Jason actually was saying. Actually, I mean, is what I was saying was. I mean, we. I mean, to each his own. It's it's a very interesting situation to say, to say the least. I mean, there was there were there were a lot of major moments that happened that night. For example, you know, Quest Love, and that was a major that was a major win. Like, I actually had my students to watch that. So that was one of the conversations we had. Like, man, we knew it. It was going to be too good to be true for that to be like a highlighted moment and that be something that is what people took away. Because really, if you watch that um, that film, that was that was powerful. It was um, good. Like how he captured that. It yeah. was good. Yeah, most definitely. Oh, my God. Say please. <laughs> you know, that Will and Chris debate, that's a... That's almost as heated as the Biden and Trump debate. Okay, so. to an extent. <laughs> yeah, but like you said, it, it opened up so much. You have those individuals, those dignitaries who are talking about how we look in front of clear people. We have, we've talked about mental health. We've talked about um, joking and talking about people, what's off limits for comedy. But then again, and then you just hit on the, the all the, for us, the, the, Black history that was overshadowed yeah. with Will Packer because that had never been done. An all-black production team for the Oscars. There have been people to work for the Oscars. Chris Spencer uh, works for the Oscars every year, but an all-black production team. And if you got on Twitter, every 15 tweets was Will and Chris Rock, and then it was one tweet about Samuel L. Jackson oh, yeah. receiving his yeah. Oscar, and then more 15 tweets, and then it was another yes. tweet about Quest. Most Love, definitely. And then another 15 tweets, and then, yeah. oh yeah, by the way, it was all-black production team by Hollywood producer Will Packer. Yeah. But it, it opened up a, a lot of conversation, so I, I agree with that, and to do that with your students, because I think in education, and we know this, uh, and a lot of teachers don't want to, but they have, they teach by the book. They teach for the test. Yeah. And like I said, we get away from where we introduce skills and then we don't enhance those skills. And the skill that you need, especially that a lot of African-American children or black children don't have, is knowing how to have a discussion and a conversation with somebody and looking them in the eye and giving your opinion uh-huh. and being able to agree or disagree uh-huh. and move on. Yeah, yeah. most definitely. Yes, I love all the discussion tonight. Okay, I know we got just everywhere, but Jason, as we wrap it up, just let us know again the website so the students can be a part of the youth initiative as well as how they can follow you, be updated with you, all that good stuff and more. Let us know. Most definitely. So it's educationalentities.com. You can check us out. You can connect to all of the various groups there. Um, and I, I got to say this. We're having a free STEM camp for grandparents raising school-age children this Saturday. I know it's kicking off spring break. April but here's the, the 2nd. April the 2nd. Um, It's going to be, actually, if you are from the city of Atlanta, it's going to be at the old Adamsville. Um, It's Kendesi West now, but, you know, it's always going to be Adamsville to us. So we're going to be right there at Wilson Park. Wilson Mill. Yep, Wilson Mill Park. (laughs) (laughs) Wilson Wilson Mill Park, um, and it's free for grandparents who are raising school-age children. We're going to have some activities out there, food, of course. And uh, we want to just kick off spring break right for them because, of course, 
you know, if you want a fixed income, it's like your spring break, maybe we walking around the corner to McDonald's, we're going to get us some ice cream. And, and you know, you got to make memories the best way you can. But we want to just, you know, provide them with some support. So we got that going on this weekend. You can go to the foundation website, lilliesfoundation.org, or you can go to educational entities to get the information. All right, guys. And again, this will be all on Black Educated and Broke. It'll be on our information on our website. It'll be on our social media. So make sure you are following us on social, Black Educated and Broke on Facebook and Instagram, and on Twitter, BEB Podcast underscore ATL. So guys, we're gonna go ahead and, and take another break as we wrap up this show. Thank you again, Professor Allen. We enjoyed you. <laughs> right. Thank A you. lot of good things popping, guys. So keep a like as we wrap up the show right here on Black Educated and Broke. Professor Jason B. Allen doing a lot of big things again with his Lilies Foundation, uh, his Students for Equity. Again, like you said, this weekend, this Saturday, hop out for um, our senior grandparents who are working as um, you know parents, custody of your kids to come out to the festival. We'll have, we'll have all this information on our social media. I'm um, also going on this weekend. Um, you know, we have the uh, Atlanta's R&B Soul Picnic. You know, uh, shout out to the DJs. We got DJ Jermaine Dupree. We got producer Dallas Austin. It's going to be a cool, a full weekend of fun this Saturday and Sunday at Piedmont Dallas Park. Dallas don't have a DJ. We're going to see on Sunday <laughs> at the promenade. What's bring up, your, Dallas? Bring your blankets. Bring your coolers. You, you know, the tickets are, are, you know, they're not as cheap as they were. They're like $35 now. But, um, that ain't shit. you know, compared to right, okay, and, and your cooler is now, I think, 45 to bring oh, in you cooler. You got to bring in your cooler, you too? To you do. You have to cooler. get a cooler pass. You Oh, well, like $15. I'll have $45 worth of liquor and drinks. That's, all you, that's all you gotta do, okay? It's gonna be lots of vendors. Um, it's gonna be, a, we got a, a, a mental healing, a healing center. Ooh. So, people who wanna talk to therapists, uh, they wanna be, we have a whole situation called a soul center for that. We're gonna have yoga, we're gonna have those sessions taken care uh, throughout, throughout the day. So, it's gonna Black be a yoga. whole experience. I thought this was like a, a motherfucking pool party or something. This is this nice. This is soul healing. That's dope. Musical and literally like talking to therapists. All I thought it was just like a big yeah. ass party. I did too. Yeah. Still a party. It's a mixture of that too. So, like, it's like. Because the promenade is broken up into two spaces. Yeah, so, the very first space, you got the stage, then you got like the VIP tents around turning up. And then in the second part, you got more tents than people, but you got the soul healing center. It's a little quieter, and that's more of the space you want to come and talk to somebody. That's where you go smoke your weed. Well, or whatever. Well, they're going to be doing that. <laughs> or your hookah. Even though the park doesn't, the parks, they don't do that. But, you know, hey. Boy, please. You know, we, you live your life. It's we are not responsible. Well, it's about to be a goddamn big-ass cloud coming out there, motherfucker. Um, also this weekend, so Maya. Maya, Ooh, Maya, God. Maya. So I know we've been kind of teasing it all week. I mean, they on the show. <laughs> but, but ultimately, Maya did not get fired. Maya did not Stop quit. She, uh, <laughs> she did not. Maya has a new... Maya's moving on up in HR world, okay? And her new job is having her work from 3 p.m. to midnight. Uh, every Wednesday, Tuesday, Monday, and she can only do Thursdays and Fridays, and that's not good days. So, and this new schedule is going to be till September. But, however, when we have events, Maya says she's going to pull up, she's going to cover it. She's doing all of that. So, Maya's still a part. We just want to hear her wonderful voice she's every her day. You know, so we love you, Maya, girl. You know we love you. And actually, her video is doing really a lot of good traction. So if y'all want to hear from her words and her explanation, go to our Instagram at Black Educated and Broken. She'll tell you all about it. I was just going to say, but not fire market. That means we got to cover her dudes. Oh, oh, <laughs> oh, I just thought about the dude. You better talk about it, Brian. <laughs> 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 I love her. I love her. 
ain't got it. Ain't got it. Happy birthday, boo boo. I love you so much. Randy, you got a job. Because you're going to be out there at the R&B Festival. I am. Your little short ass is to bring back somebody significant for us to interview. Is that my job? Now, what, yep. what are you here for? If I'm doing all this work, well, I'm, what the finnuck are you here for? Yeah. See what had happened. I invited your ass to the picnic. Uh, she not here. She not going to have to do what you could. You know, but you. Hey, Mick, you had this conversation already. So, for me, certain stuff is like, all right, you can go somewhere with your homeboys, cool. And then it's the events that you go with your bae with. To me, okay. this is a bae situation. Okay. Bae is not going to be here. Okay. Now, if I was not. Come on, come on. Y'all ain't saying nothing about no coverage. Y'all talking about getting fucked up. I ain't saying nothing about oh, no coverage. Okay, hold on. So, let's just pause for a second. So, yeah, when we have these events, we usually in some form talking about coverage. If you go to our website, we actually have a full press release of this event, and we are going to cover it. And actually, for us uh-huh. to cover it, they're giving us a comp of two tickets because we're covering it. So, yes, Ron, you would you would like to cover it. That would be amazing. And then you have more of a purpose for being there instead of just being a seat filler. Okay? Oh, shit. All right? Oh, Let's shit. Let's talk about it. Wow. So, I love you guys. We're going to have a good night. I'll let you write, r- r- round us out. I know, no, Mike B said no more saying the name. Done with that. We are, we we're are done. evolving. We we're don't past need to that. Evolve. They know Randy. They know Mike B. They know Ron. They know uh, the you know, table. You know what the irony of all this is? What? On our first show here, I said we didn't need to name and do intro because <laughs> they fucking up. But now we go, okay, hey, what do I know? Well, I, when we came back in our new season, I said, please don't do it. And our host, you know, the Women's History Month, she done fired the woman co host. What did I say? Oh. The woman co host. What the fuck do I know? We know some stuff, but the woman, because it's Women History Month, who done fired the other co-host woman and the told the producer woman to go on the sabbatical. Listen, you can't get over on her. All right, guys. We'll see y'all next week. Bye. Bye. <laughs>